0: Let's pray, and we'll read the first eight verses of chapter five. Father, we thank you for this time, and yet, Father, in front of us is another year. And yet, Lord, if you would tarry, I would pray that we'd be about your work. And we'd be diligent to seek your face, your sufficiency. And the Father, as we even look at our brother Paul this morning, we would understand that life is but a vapor, and that Father, only that that is done for Christ matters. Thank you, Lord. For saving us. Thank you, Lord, for using us. And thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege to be the children of the Son of God. And that we are joint heirs of creation. Hmm. To your glory and your praise, in Christ's name, amen. Chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in the tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that the mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now, He prepared us for this very purpose, is God who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by scythe, we are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. okay when I read through this there's there's a a sentiment that you see in the apostle Paul that even in light of what he was suffering at the time that he wrote this, he still stands in awe of the privilege of being a child of God and the privilege of proclaiming the gospel. And he was bold and courageous regardless. Okay. And and we really need to be, Conscious of this, because one of the things that I see the American church has fallen into is um, if you're saved, you have a life of blessing. Um, and and if, if you're truly called of God, then you've got programs and you've got bands and choirs and television and published and all of these things. And therefore, you must be this truly massive minister of the gospel of jesus christ well if you believe that you're going to have a problem with paul because my understanding of the apostle paul was that everywhere he went someone wanted him dead And he suffered like no man I've ever seen suffer for the gospel. And yet he never, ever wavered the message. And yet you and I have times. Well, I don't think I want to offend anybody, so I'll just keep my mouth shut. And uh, do you realize Paul never did that? And even if he offended, he still was bold. You know, I read those two words, and we looked at them last week in verse 6 and verse 8, of good courage. Be happy about this. Be bold about this. And see, I think what happens with Christians at times is that we are not bold in our respect with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we have to take a stand. Now, listen, I'm not talking about, you know, going out and protesting at abortion clinics and, and things. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's times I heard a discussion, political discussion this week where it says, can you really take your faith into the workplace? Or well, where else am I going to leave it? That's the silliest thing I ever heard in my life. And they said, well, we don't know that you can be in the political arena and still have your faith. Now you've got a point there, (laughs) but, but I don't understand how I can have a faith and not take it outside of the doors. Okay. And yet I watch churches today and the faith never gets beyond the walls. They're extraordinarily spiritual. How's come the divorce rate among pastors is equal to the lost professionals? Something's wrong with that picture. I don't understand that. And and I don't even have to get into the scandals. All right? These are the things that you and I have to stop and think about. And I, I look at the Apostle Paul and I'm like, they threatened him with death and it ain't a threat. It is a alright. <laughs> Could we hurry? Okay, and and yet we always put these qualifiers, and what you're looking at in chapter 5 is he's explaining to us and to the Corinthians, how can I happily face death? Now listen, if you are sinning against the Holy God after your redemption, I bet you're not going to be happy to see him suddenly. But if you're walking with the Lord and your focus is upon the kingdom, his, his righteousness, guess what? This world is growing, as the song says, strangely dim. But yet, if you watch the evangelical body today, there is an obsession with the temporal. Are we bold and courageous? Because remember when I started 2 Corinthians, what is it? Ministry. And can I take the assaults, the verbal assaults that you'll have to take? I remember a guy broke the mirror off my truck, or the, the glass out of my mirror. Better the truck than me. <laughs> and, and he's had seven years of bad luck ever since. Now, <laughs> however many years of bad luck you get breaking a mirror. But and I, you know, I've been called names uh, and people think that I just run around, try to pick fights. I don't pick fights. I don't look to offend nobody. But if you state something that is not biblical, claiming it's biblical, I ain't shutting up. All right. And if you're in church leadership and acting foolish, you have to give an account of the souls that have been entrusted to you, and you have crossed my path. And I will not, I'm up. I can't sway you. But I'm going to tell you, that ain't in the Bible. You just made that up. Okay? And that just makes people thrilled. Okay? Paul had no obsession to escape death. And he did it because he knew that his next home is the best. That was verse 1. He did it because he knew that the next step was only perfection. Verses two through four. Okay. And then he does it again because the next existence is God's promise. All right. Verse five. Hold on. (laughs) Guarantee. Now, he who prepared us. Stop right there. He, in its context, is God. Okay, key verb there. Okay, you read that verb. Prepared. Note anything about that verb it kind of just jumps out at you. Past tense. Do you understand? It doesn't say, he who is preparing you. It says, prepared. All right? In eternity past, by God's sovereign grace, he chose us in time, He redeemed us, and all of that is that he might fulfill his purpose. Well, you're reading an awful lot into that night. No, what is future for believers is prepared by God in the past. Okay. It all started in eternity past when the Godhead and the Holy angels existed. And that was the degree of it before existence was spoken to being before space Was created, before time was created, God had already prepared His purpose. When He made the covenant with the Son, when He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, before He wrote the names in the Lamb's book of life. The purpose of God was set out in eternity past and has not yet been fulfilled and will not be fulfilled until you stand in heaven in a resurrected body. Everybody's going to say, dude, you're getting an awful lot out of prepared. (laughs) Well. If you go back to the syntax, the style of writing that is in this text, there's a a thing that they call the emphatic. Okay, and there are different nouns or verbs or participles that in the Greek text it will this is the emphasis. Okay? In this text, the emphasis is the very purpose is God. God is the emphatic. Okay, so when you look at it, it says he's prepared us for this very purpose. Emphasis, God. All right, so when you read he in the beginning of it, then you have God as the emphatic. You can sit there and say, God did it. God prepared for a purpose that is emphatically his purpose. And everybody's like, God, I didn't know I was going to English lesson. Okay. God fulfilling his very purpose in us that he prepared us for. And that's resurrection. Listen, you've got to get out. Can you just grab this for a second? If I find out what God's purpose is, is there any greater purpose? There can't be. This is only God's purpose. It was His sovereign plan from all of eternity. Now, then, I'm going to take you to a text that you're all very familiar with, but I don't know that we've ever really spent a lot of time on it. Well, some of us have. The Gospel of Romans, chapter 8. Gospel of Romans chapter 8, the verse that you and I have all heard and listened to, and we all know, and we all pay attention to it, we've used it, and had it used on us, (laughs) shall I say, verse 28, for we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. We've all read that. We've all heard it. We've probably used it to try to encourage somebody. God makes what work? Did you get that? And I've heard people, they'll debate it. Well, not sin. No, that's not true. He uses sin in a believer's life on a regular basis. People don't get, well, God can't cause you to sin. I didn't say he causes you to sin. But he uses your sin in your life to show you are sinful. All right. And he does it on a regular basis because he who says he's without sin. Calls God a liar. So you see how that's working. God makes all things work to of his purpose. Okay, did you get that? Okay, what's working together for God's purpose? Okay, do you if you take it back to the original language, the word all there, you know how you translate it? All. Okay? It isn't most. It isn't the good things. It isn't the blending of the good and the bad so you have a gray thing. It is all things. The heartache The blessing, the praises, the discouragement, the strains, the confidence lacking. Anything that you deal with on a moment-by-moment basis is being used by God for His purpose. What is His purpose? Thought you would never ask. He is working all things together to achieve His purpose. What is it? He who searches the hearts, or wait, is that where I want to go? Yeah, we'll back up for His purpose. Okay, now if you don't like these verses, just mark them out of your Bible. It's really not that hard. You just, you just scribble them out. For whom He foreknew. Okay, now remember, you're still in the context. I'm causing all things to work for His purpose. He foreknew. He predestined to become conformed into the image of his son. That's God's purpose. Every believer who's ever walked the planet, every believer who will ever walk the planet, the purpose of God for that believer is to have them conformed into the image of his son. That's God's purpose. That's God's purpose: to be made like Christ. Okay, if I'm going to be made like Christ, I have a flaw. I need a glorified body. I've got, got a glorified spirit right now, already in possession of it. But I have this stinking container. We need a glorified body to go with the glorified... Remember? Born again spirit? I need this body so that this perfectly holy nature has a perfectly holy container. That is the glorified resurrected body of Christ. Okay? To be made like Christ is... God's purpose. Why? Now think about this for a second. To take, oh wretched man that I am, and turn it into a holy, perfect nature, how much praise must God receive? I took these defiled, sinful creatures and have made them absolutely perfectly holy. Only as holy as me. How much praise does God get? Well, you ain't going to do nothing. I can't go out and dig up a resurrected body. I have a hard time saying, you sure about my spirit? Do you see what I'm trying to get at here? If you look at this thing here, we start saying our next existence is God's purpose. Purpose. He promised this. That's why everything is in our lives. Everything in our lives work for our good because it is God's purpose. And the purpose is to be. Conformed into the image of Christ. God is using everything in our lives to move us to the fulfillment of His purpose. The Apostle Paul, living in light of that truth, is going, what am I worried about? Why am I stressing over fill in the blank? Okay. Now there's words here that people just really don't like to, to look at because the word foreknew is is just what it sounds like. Okay, and, and I've heard all the goofy arguments. Okay. The problem with the arguments is what do you do with the text? I mean, you can send well that means he predestined some to hell. Nowhere in the Bible do you find that. Okay? I can tell you this if you're born a man and woman, you're going to hell. And he saved some. Okay, now I can't walk around with like a black light and see if you have got an E on your forehead. Listen, elect or not, I can't tell. I, I, you know, but I listen to all this. I'm sitting there going, "Listen, you were born in sin. Guess what? The bills come and due." And I have heard all of it. Well, what about a child that dies in the womb? What about it? What about it? I think it's blessed. Well, you're cold. I'm just telling you. Well, how do you know it's saved or not? When you get to heaven, ask. It isn't that complicated. Read this text on. Those he foreknew. He predestined, he also predestined to become conformed into the image of his son. Did you, see, did you see that? Those he foreknew, he has already predetermined. What? To be conformed to the image of the son. See? That there is a serious promise. So that he would be the firstborn of many brethren. Okay, look at verse 30. And these whom he predestined, He also called, and those he called, he justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. And Paul says, (laughs) what do we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Why? I'm living in God's foreknown, predetermined purpose. He will bring us to that fulfillment. He will fulfill that purpose. It is not fulfilled in justification. It is not fulfilled in, uh, it is not fulfilled in sanctification. It isn't fulfilled in the calling. It is fulfilled in the glorification. Remember when we see the Greek word glory, it means to manifest the nature and character of God. I love you guys, but I haven't seen any of you Pull that off. I see you submit to him. But you still have that. (laughs) Container. And I mean. Nothing against your container. I've got one too. But. The spirit is. Born again. We are only going to be glorified. When we are made like. Christ God's purpose when we are in the image of Christ that is the purpose chosen predestined justified sanctified all to be glorified glorified and yet even now my glory I give them Jesus said in John 17. Okay, That is the spirit, but we're looking for the container. How can I, in light of that promise, be obsessed with the temporal? To be in the image of Christ, to have a Holy Spirit, perfect, in a holy container, perfect, that is only the image of Jesus Christ. That's all. To be like Christ, to be in his image. A resurrected spirit, holy and perfect, and a body that was designed for it. the Purpose. Now listen, this is the purpose for which you exist. I I get people who say, well, what are we here for? To be conformed to the image of Christ. Well, but I mean, what are we here for? be conformed to the image of Christ. Well, but... He, never mind. <laughs> well, I think we're here to be a blessing. But but he said, these are the things you said and you listened to. Well, we're here for charity. We're here to be conformed in the image of Jesus Christ. Why? Who gets the praise for that? Paul looks... At what is going on in his life? And he says, from eternity to eternity, really? Do I have a problem? You hate me, you mock me, you want me dead, you plot against me, you stone me and leave me for dead. I've been shipwrecked, I get bitten by poisonous snakes, I have people who want me run out of town, riots start when I'm around, I've been in prisons multiple times for this gospel, and you guys act like you're really going to put some pressure on me? really on a plan that was founded in eternity past that will be fulfilled in eternity future and you're really going to do what for me? That's why you never see the Apostle Paul back down or be swayed. Well, could you just tone it down? You're not going to be fanatical, are you? Now then, we need to realize that we don't fulfill this thing here. Here. Okay, now we get to make a pit stop back here in our resurrected bodies. That's after the stars all roll up like a an old shade and it gets black and there's been seven years of down here. We all show up in our resurrected bodies. Jesus is out front. Okay, some of you be on horses. (laughs) I ain't. (laughs) Okay, but. You know, we're all coming back and we're going to rule with him for a thousand years here on the planet Earth in our resurrected, absolutely holy, perfect nature. And then he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And it's just going to be like, wow, did you see that? All right. And he's allowed you and I to be a part of it. And you look at that and keep that in your mind. And I don't care what you're going through. Because you know what? You'll hear things like this. Well, you need to make something out of your life. Ever heard that? You know, if you could develop a good work ethic, okay, um, the person you need to grow as a person, You, you need to get your education so you can achieve, perhaps you just need to maximize your potential. What's God's purpose? The rest of that stuff is irrelevant. Your achievements? Dude, what if they carve your head up on Mount Rushmore? Yeah, they already did mine. It's this real small. No? <laughs> okay. That was one of the little gravel things that they chipped off. Okay. They're going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Who's going to see Mount Rushmore? You go check out the monuments. we got monuments all over the place. we got some cool monuments. They're gone. Jefferson, Lincoln. Washington, they're all gone. It's all history. Poof. Even the big black stone in Mecca, history, dome of the rock, gone. Wailing wall, gone. It's all gone. History, going to be gone. Why? It means nothing. It means nothing. Why? Because there's only one supreme purpose, and that is God's purpose. And the truth is, it's only fulfilled in eternity future. When I become absent from the body, and I get the building that is not made by hands, but is made by God to exist in God's presence, James tells us his life is but a vapor. Vapor. I remember reading a letter. Doctor Olford uh, was before he had was born in Africa and had gone to uh, uh, college in England and was taking engineering. And uh, came up with some cool stuff, uh, fuel injection for motorcycles. Okay, uh, this would have been 1930. uh, And was making a pretty good living racing motorcycles because everybody else was carbureted and his was fuel injected. Uh, And uh, anyway, one night he was riding his motorcycle home and was evidently impeding the law. And um, it was uh, raining pretty good and the police chased him and they couldn't catch him. But he got home, hit his motorcycle and everything was copacetic. Next day he woke up with a cough. That cough turned into pneumonia, okay? You're looking at the 30s, okay? You know how many antibiotics there were on the market in the 1930s? Zero. Okay? And he about died. His dad wrote him a letter. And in the letter, he made a statement. You only have one life, and only that that is done for Christ matters. Okay? Okay? For some miraculous reason, God brought him over the pneumonia through natural healing. And he dropped out of engineering school, went straight to seminary. Okay, because he understood that God said, I don't want you to be an engineer. Okay, only that that is done for Christ matters. Do we understand that? You think about the stuff that we waste, and yet God is using that to do what? God causes all things to work together for the good of his purpose, which is to conform us into the image of Christ. What God started in our lives, God purposed. And what God started in our lives, He purposed. Do you think He'll get it finished? Listen, it says He will do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you can imagine or think. Listen, when I read the Apostle Paul's writings... This is not a passing fancy for the boy. It's it's, it's not a a Jesus pep rally thing. It's not, this is the emotional upside of ministry. Okay? He knew this was God's purpose. Everything happening in our lives is God's purpose. And he knew that there was things to be unfolded yet. But he also knew he was in a tent that needed to be dismantled. All right, now, Paul is so set on this that he uses some interesting stuff here. Go back to your text there. For now, he prepared us for this very purpose is God. Okay, in fact, emphasis is on God. Alright. Now, he's talking about the resurrection. He's talking about this glorified body. And then look what he says. Who gave us, this is God, remember the emphasis, gave us the Spirit as a pledge. Okay. He gave us the Spirit as a pledge. The Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is God's pledge that God's purpose will be fulfilled. Okay, whatever the Lord begins, the Lord will finish and he promises each believer he will with the person of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Philippians chapter one, verse six, for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Well, what day would that be? That's when you get the resurrected body. Did the a twinkling of the eye, the dead in Christ get theirs first, and the twinkling of the eye later, those who are still alive get theirs. Okay? It's predetermined glorification. <laughs> I think that's awesome! This is God's promise! Nothing will interrupt God's promise. Nothing. Remember Romans 8. Nothing in creation can separate you from the love of God. It's impossible. The only thing that can separate you from the love of God has never been created. (laughs) So nothing's going to stop it. The purpose of God is fixed. Um, It is so fixed that God guarantees it by giving us the Holy Spirit. Okay? And he gives it here. He gives the word Erebon. Erebon. It's a cool word. It's an engagement ring. That's literally what it means. It's an engagement ring. An engagement ring in the writing of the New Testament would be like the first installment payment. Uh, If they're all in love and fluttery, an installment payment. <laughs> well, yeah, it's sort of like a down payment. Okay, but it, it has to do with the security of the pledge. It's like, remember that Cajun, I don't know if he's even still alive, that Cajun cook? teed That's what it is. God says, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, teed. Your glorification. Why? Because that I foreknew, I've already predetermined. And I am so predetermined on it, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. (laughs) That ought to rock your universe, people. I mean, it just sits there and goes, I'm invincible. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee. Fact. That we, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, are we not? Okay? The Holy Spirit resides in you. It is the Holy Spirit who leads us. It is the Holy Spirit who empowers us. It is the Holy Spirit who guides us. It is by the Holy Spirit that we ourselves are called children of, children of God. The Holy Spirit allows that to happen. And you know, the one that we always talk about, and I hear occasionally, five five of Romans, Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured within our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Dude, that's some good stuff right there. Now, just in case, Romans 8, 9 says, However, you are not in the flesh... But in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Get that? That sounds judgmental. Yep. You betcha. But it's still God's predetermined purpose. Holy Spirit is a pledge, a guarantee that we get. Glory. We get glory. Um, give you a couple more here. This is kind of on Paul's mind, at least at the writing of Second Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 says, Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us in God, who has sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Okay, Uh, Paul had a passion for this. Uh, If you remember the letter to the church in Ephesus, uh, verse 13 of chapter 1. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Again, that's the guarantee. The Holy Spirit is given as a guarantee that God is going to redeem His own possession and bring them to the praise of His glory for eternity. Okay, now, theologians call this eternal security. I know many right now who believe that you can lose your salvation. And they base it on what they seen have seen in people. You know, there was a few years there, they really looked saved, and then they just living like the devil, so they lost their salvation, and we're praying that they come back, and they get their salvation, and it's, 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 it's like the tulip is for the Calvinist. Daisy is for those people. You know, I call it Daisy. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Um, so, um... And what I've just given you right now, really? Really? You really think you can lose your salvation? You're telling me God's plan in eternity past. Really? Who or what will stop it? God's plan in eternity past is to conform you into the image of his son. And somebody's going to stop it. Something's going to stop it. No. I mean, we have the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. How can you lose your salvation if you have the guarantee of the Holy Spirit? Now, let me ask you something. Because, you know, I've, I've listened to this. I've no, I know all the arguments on it. And here's the only thing I've got to say. If you think you can lose your salvation, I'm going to ask you one question. Okay. One question. Okay. Okay if you can lose your salvation whose glory is stained simple question simple question he who foreknew and predestined oops dropped one Listen, you're telling me that God can't pull off His purpose? You're telling me that God can't rescue His possessions? You're telling me He can't bring them to heaven when He deems He wants them? Really? Really? You're telling me that the losing of your salvation, you're willing to stain His glory. I'll tell you, bad plan. Bad plan. I, I, I think when I read, the largest book in the Bible is what? The Psalms. The Psalms, right? you agree? Can you read two Psalms? I've, I've shared this with you guys. I'll share it. Some of you haven't heard it before, but I've shared this before, with you. Uh, I, The book of Psalms is my counseling ministry. Okay, the whole book. All right. When somebody comes to me and it's, they're in a mess. Okay, here's what I counsel them to do. Start at Psalm 1, verse 1, and begin reading. But I want you to do it this way. I want you to read it out loud so that your ears hear what your mouth is saying. Because the book of Psalms is nothing but praises to God. The worst that I've ever had, I got to Psalm 5. Okay, because all of a sudden you start giving those praises to God, everything else sort of gets a little beside the point. It becomes a secondary issue. All right, how great when you read the book of Psalms, you just sit there in awe. I mean, there's some heartbreak going on in them books, but they're praising God in the midst of the heartache. How great a testimony is that of the writers of the book of Psalms? But now think about this. You have a born-again spirit. You have a resurrected holy nature in you now, and you are looking forward to the day that you have a holy, perfect Righteous container to contain that resurrected spirit. What is that testimony of praise in the heavens for eternity? Almost makes you want to be charismatic. <laughs> Almost. It is a testimony of his amazing glory. Okay? The Apostle Paul, in light of that, looked at death confidently. Why? In eternity past, he foreknew. Because he had already predetermined he would meet me on the Damascus Road. So that at some point in my future, I will be glorified and I will stand only as holy and as perfect as Jesus Christ. That's all. And it was his plan. So, happily facing death, one. My next home is the best. Two, next life is perfect. Three, the next existence is only God's promise. Next week, we'll look at the next home is with the Lord. I think that's awesome. Sorry, I just get jazzed up about God's got a plan. And it causes all things. To work for the fulfilling of his plans. Hallelujah. Especially for a guy who hates planning. (laughs) So It's really awesome in my universe. Cool. I'll just sit here and watch. Let's pray. Father, to your glory and praise. Thank you. We have a year in front of us. You brought us through a year. You have shown us great and mighty things. And yet, Father, you have brought us into 2012. Father, what lays before us, we know emphatically it will be working to conform us into the image of Christ. And I thank you for that. Father, some of it will be so, such a joyous event we won't even be able to stand it. Others will be heartache and feel like we can't stand it. And yet, Lord, it is to your purpose, to your glory, to your plan. You foreknew and you have predetermined and you have chosen us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Praise you for these people. I praise you for this church. I praise you for your precious bride that is global. And that, Father, that she would stand in the purpose that we have overcome death. And we are here about our Father's work. To your glory and praise. Amen.